It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad. <laughs> home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 6.30 Chad. So Columbus beat Anaheim 3-2 in overtime. The Ducks with a point to move four back of the Oilers for first in the Pacific Division. Ducks with now 15 points in 14 games. The Oilers have 19 in 14. Sabres and Senators still 1-1 late in the third. Early in the third, Chicago is up 1-0 on St. Louis. Your scoreboard is presented by Crystal Glass. For all your glass needs, you can call 310-GLASS today. The Toronto Raptors up 89-84 on Oklahoma City with eight minutes left in the fourth quarter. Kevin Carries and I were talking about uh, the Eskimos' potential travel schedule if they uh, keep winning and keep having to head east for playoff games here's head coach jason moss on that travel yeah i mean we're gonna we're gonna leave out after day three to head to hamilton and uh that way we get in no no questions asked i mean we had one trip going to montreal that we were a little late leaving because of the snow and uh you know bus complications to got us there a little bit later than we'd like so don't want to take any want to take all the precautions to get there the night before and um, or a day a little bit earlier, anyways. Are you going to walk through there or not? Uh, no, we plan on doing everything at uh, with our meetings and everything. We'll do everything here before we leave. All right, So, but they are going to go out Friday as opposed to Saturday, so that's how the Eskimos approach the game in Hamilton on Sunday, which is on 6.30, Chet, 9.30 for the pregame show, 11 o'clock for the kickoff. And, of course, our next Oilers broadcast is Friday. They host Dallas, 5.30 face-off show. That game will start at 7. Thanks for joining us tonight. It's 8.07. My name is Reed Wilkins, Inside Sports on 6.30, Chet, and a big milestone coming up for a U of A coach. I'm pleased to be joined by Lori Eisler from Pandas Volleyball. Lori, welcome to the show. How are you doing? I'm doing all right, thanks. So the next win you achieve will be win number 700 as coach of the U of A Pandas volleyball team. That, that is an amazing number. Um, I, I, know, I know coaches always tell me I can't get ahead of myself, but you are, I'm pretty sure you're going to win it at some point in the near future. How does it feel that the next one's going to be 700? Well, honestly, I really haven't thought about it that much. I wasn't aware of the number itself, so I'm really until I think about a week ago, but I I think it's just a number, right? Like, we're always uh, looking to win your next one, so it really doesn't change a whole heck of a lot, except it maybe makes me feel a little bit older. (laughs) Fair enough. Uh, You you started coaching in 91-92. Do you, by any chance, do you remember your first win? You know what? I don't, but I anticipated I might get asked that. (laughs) (laughs) So I did a little research. It was... uh, it was in Regina at their tournament. They always I hold a tournament early in the fall, and we lost a couple of matches in the tournament. Then won our last one against the University of Regina, ironically, which is my hometown. So maybe there was a little bit of I, 
destiny there. <laughs> right. That's all I know. I, I don't remember it at all. Yeah, okay. Well, in a preseason tournament, you're pr- you probably won't necessarily stand out when you've uh, when you've won six national championships. Do you have, and obviously there have been a lot of big wins along the way, so rather than big wins, or asking you about your biggest win, I'll word this question this way, Lori. Do you have a most satisfying win that stands out along the way? Well, I think there's no question that uh, that first championship in 95 was, um, it was huge for our program. It was huge for our athletes. It was amazing for our community, for volleyball. We played in front of a sold-out crowd in the in the old main gym on main campus, and um, it was spectacular. And so at so many levels, and for myself personally as a coach professionally, it, um, you know, it was, you're all, you never really know if you're good at what you're doing, right? And and so that certainly helped to kind of make me feel like maybe I did pick the right profession and, um, you know, gave me a little bit of encouragement to stick with it. Okay. Cool. Well, you'd already been doing it four years, so that was good. It was good you got that feedback. Uh, you have. How do, how does this sound? You have won won more games than Claire Drake, who in 28 years as a coach uh, won 697 games in in two sports. I mean, I, that that has that has to resonate you uh, with you a little bit, given what he meant to the U of A and continues. Yeah, to I mean, be- I I had the honor of being in his presence, you know, a number of times, especially in the early years, and I have a very good sense of what he means to U of A. He really is you know, the father of sport at, at the University of Alberta and, um, you know, the John Wooden of Canadian inter-university sports. So I have a ton of respect for what he's done for that Golden Bears hockey program for sport in Canada. And it's honestly, it's it's humbling to be mentioned in the same breath with that man. And um, at some point, I guess when I'm retired, I'll, I'll look back at it and, and really reflect on it. But right now I'm just concerned about winning tomorrow night <laughs> right and so it's uh it's great is grant McEwen or McEwen you're playing the next two nights that's right yeah and is it home and home or is it in one or school or the other yeah we're playing at McEwen on thursday and then back um at Savile on friday night okay cool so if you win one of those two you, you get win 700 you know what what for you and, and i and i know you, you still have a lot of years left coaching so i don't want to make this sound like it, it's a total look back type type interview but it is interesting that long at, at one school doesn't doesn't happen for a lot of people what's kept you going and kept you at the u of a well i think what kept me going what keeps you going i think with the inter- university athlete is actually the athletes there um, you know the opportunity we have as coaches is we get to select the people we work with and um it starts you know from the recruiting process of trying to identify who those kids are and then uh, trying to convince them that we're a good program that they want to be involved in and then being part of their lives. And, you know, they have so much passion and they're just such a, an awesome demographic to be around. They have tons of energy and you can feed off of that. And it's always changing, even though you're doing the same job year after year. There's always something. you, you Just when you think you've seen everything, then something else happens. And so the challenge is always there. And um, I like challenge. I don't like to be bored uh, I need that kind of stimulation and so I've never I've never found myself you know under stimulated or under challenged at the U of A I've also had an unbelievable amount of support from 
both faculty of physical education and the department of athletics the athletic i've had a lot of athletic directors over the years and and uh, each of them in their own way has supported me and and really i i have to say ian reed without him and without his support especially through the years where i was having kids and um you know, had these little toddlers around, and then the school, like all the phases of being a parent and coaching, and it was really, really challenging. And he was always there to help me and support me through it. Are any of your kids volleyball players? My daughter's playing volleyball. She's at St. Francis Xavier High School in grade 12, and is a member of our uh, Panda Volleyball Club as well. Okay, is there a recruiting update there, or should I hold <laughs> off on that? It, it will be. I that'll be the next press release. <laughs> And I've got a son that's uh, playing hockey, so we've got uh, a little bit of that sport going on too. And of course, Terry's coaching football, so it's a you know it's a sport family, and um, I think that's been a huge part of it is having the support of my family and knowing that um, they've had to make a lot of sacrifices over the years and have always been there for me to just to make it that much uh, easier. U of A Pandas volleyball coach Lori Eisler joining us inside sports on six thirty. Chat, you know. And you may find this ironic as a member of the media asking this, um, because look, we 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 know the market. It's 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 a hockey town with uh, football second, and then kind of everything else is 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 third, depending on the storyline. Uh, so, what what are the challenges to you know promoting? I was going to say CIS. It's no longer CIS to promoting U sports, and and specifically women's volleyball i mean I, I don't know a university coach that probably wouldn't tell me i wish we could get more people out to the games so how do you kind of uh navigate through that aspect of it yeah well i think i uh, in terry Dunlock and i were hired at the same time the same year and and in our first years we really uh put in a few things in place to try to get more people aware of our programs and I think really what happened was as we grew more successful, the two programs, then all of a sudden there was more interest in it. And uh, I think this is a town that really um, enjoys success and they celebrate success. And if and you put a little a good product on the on the court or on the ice or on the field, they'll support it. And that's been my experience. I think on the women's side, um, it's not easy being a woman in sport. There's no question of that. Our, we, our battles are different. And just when you think you've sort of beaten down one thing, it'll rear its ugly head again if you just turn your back on it. So it, it is an ongoing process of needing to be in front of it. Um, I am really proud of the fact that University of Alberta, is, I believe we're the only school left now in Canada West that still we flip-flop our match time so the men will play um, you know, late one night, we'll play late the, the second night. Right. And that so, way you have... Yeah you know both teams getting that sort of uh, feature match and and not using the women's programs as like a warm up for the the real excitement to come after. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, I <laughs> That's something I fought that. hard for. It wasn't an easy sell and and you know it was really bucking the trend, but we've stuck with it and and our community has really supported it as well and you know I think this is a there's a so many girls playing volleyball, and one of the things we need to do is convince those girls to actually go go out, bring their parents, bring whoever, and watch volleyball, support it, and and be part of that, um, you know, that spe- spectator experience, which I think is something that uh, volleyball people still need to learn to do. Well, it, I mean, uh, people would probably be surprised to hear this, but volleyball is one of my favorite sports to watch. 
um, and 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 play if I I don't have a lot of time. <laughs> but, but when I get when I do get a chance to do it, and I will say this: the Savile Center is an outstanding place to watch a match. Uh, I mean, it's it's more comfortable than the main gym, and you got great sight lines, and the court looks looks great. So uh, yeah, that's a that's a reason for people to get out there too. Laura, I'll ask you one more. I, I mean, coaching since '91, and and. Uh, <laughs> The growth, the changes in the sport, is there something that really stands out to you? Well, yeah, I mean, it's changed a ton. Um, the scoring, since actually when I look back at uh, results, the, the games only went to 15. Right. But they were long games. It was side-out scoring, and, and uh, now, you know, with rally point scoring, the games go faster. We play the 25. We have a multicolored ball. We can tick the net on the serve. <laughs> like, there's been so many rules that has really tried to make it more spectator-friendly and TV-friendly. Uh, I think it's working at the international level. Volleyball consistently at the Olympics is one of the most viewed sports, and I think the World League for uh, the men and the Grand Prix for women is really starting to drive some um, spectators to our sport. And I think, you know, that's what we've got to be prepared for in the future here is, is they're going to look at ways to make volleyball fit the ideal uh, TV window, whether that's 90 minutes, 120 minutes. And I don't know what those changes will be as they, as they come, but uh, we have to understand that, well, I, you know, I'm a bit of a traditionalist. I don't, I'm not really crazy about making wholesale changes to our sport. We still need to make some of those so that our athletes can really prosper at the professional levels, that you know, our national teams can get more exposure, and, and it'll trickle down to our level as well. Yeah, for sure. Well, that's great perspective, Lori, and, and all the best against McEwen. So tomorrow you're, you're there, and then on uh, Friday they're at the Savile. Is that how it goes? That's correct. Tomorrow we're at uh, 6 o'clock with the men to follow at McEwen, and then the men play at uh, 6 o'clock on Friday at U of A, and we follow them. Okay. Well, I hope you get uh, 700 and 701. Quite frankly, I'm going to be biased since the U of A gave well, me a sheet of paper that. for going to class several, year, several years ago. So <laughs> <laughs> so thanks for coming on uh, on Inside Sports and sharing your experience, and I hope we can do this again soon, Laurie. Great. Thanks a lot, Ian. Right on. That is Laurie Eisler checking in, U of A Pandas volleyball coach. Again, that overall record, this includes um, preseason playoffs, conference play, 699 wins against 262 losses, six national championships as head coach, and she has moved past uh, Claire Drake as the winningest coach in the history of the U of A, and several more to come for Lori along the way. Thanks to uh, Matt Gooch at the U of A for helping set it up that story as well. Great stuff for Lori. All right, it is 819. It is Inside Sports on 630 Chet. The phone number is 780-496-0063. You can text us at 630-630. we got a little more Eskimo stuff to uh, touch on as well and a couple more comments from Oilers head coach Todd McClellan as we roll along. This is Jay Onright from FS1 or from Athabasca. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chat. All right, it's 824. Senators just beat the Sabres 2-1 in a shootout. You know, some good news for the Edmonton Eskimos. All of these players back at practice today after uh, varying degrees of injuries over the last weeks or even months. Defensive backs Brandon Thompson, Pat Watkins, and Marcel Young all on the field. 
as were linebacker Kenny Ladler, defensive end Marcus Howard, offensive lineman Matt O'Donnell, receiver Corey Watson, and the three injured fullbacks, Mike Miller, Aaron Milton, and Kelvin McCarty. Uh, hopeful that most of those guys should be ready to play on Sunday. How great would that be to get Kelvin McCarty back for the playoffs, Matthew Panashik? I was worried when he suffered that injury. Maybe that was his last game as an ESCO. I mean, he's been in the league 10 years. Now, the th- receiver Corey Watson, though, Matt, you can't, you're not taking out Brandon Zilstra, right? You're not, and you're obviously not taking out Walker and Bowman. So I wonder, uh, I don't know. I mean, does he come in? I guess he could come in as a Canadian because Kuhorn's been hurt, right? So maybe Watson could come back. That's a much. That's not a bad receiving core. Walker, Bowman, Zilstra, and then you'd have, I guess, Getzlaff and uh, Getzlaff and Watson potentially if they're all healthy. Head coach Jason Moss commenting on having a healthier team right now. We're as healthy as we've been all year right now. So, um, you know, that's that's what you'd like to be this time of year, and uh, we're we're excited that we are. Uh, healthy, you know. I feel I feel really good where our team is right now. Um, you know, the more bodies you can get out here practicing, the better. And particularly the caliber of guys that are here right now practicing. Uh, to have most of us out here, you know, at the end of the year is, is something special. Well, you know, every every team faces injuries. This could be as as good as you could hope for health wise for the Eskimos, especially going into a playoff game. The Oilers did not practice today. They're back on the ice eleven thirty tomorrow at Rogers Place. Head coach Todd McClellan after that loss to the Penguins last night. It's a hard way to lose. I thought we got tremendous performances out of uh, a number of individuals and some real disappointing performances from a few others. And it uh, it just goes to show when you're playing. Uh, what's likely the best team in the National Hockey League. You need everybody going, and it um, doesn't matter um, how well the star players play. I think I talked about that this morning when we got on the plane. We'd evaluate the Oilers against the Penguins and not Connor uh, against Sydney, and that's what we're going home and doing now. And, and, you know, speaking of injuries, we'll see what's going on with the Oilers uh, tomorrow. Chris Russell, don't know if he's going to be good to go Friday, but maybe we'll see if he's out there. And about the time, we should be getting some updates on some of the other guys as well, like Hendricks and Davidson and uh, Packerin and Kajula, guys like that. Though Kajula is likely going to go down to the farm and play a bit once he's ready to go. Davis Sanchez, former CFL defensive back. A little bit of a playoff preview with him. I wonder what he thinks of all the pass interference flags too. That'll be interesting. He's coming up next, Inside Sports on 6.30 Chet. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader, 630 Chad. All right, thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. Inside Sports on 630 Chad. My name is Reed Wilkins. It is 833. So we have an Oilers game on Friday. 530 face-off show, 7 o'clock drop of the puck at Rogers Place. Oilers against the Stars. Sunday, we have Eskimos coverage starting at 9.30 in the morning. Kickoff in Hamilton for the East Semi at 11. Sunday night, Rangers and Oilers face-off show commences at 6. The game will start at 7.30. So going to be a fun uh, weekend coming up here. All right. You can text 630-630. The phone number is 780 
Uh, Eskimos news today, Adarius Bowman, Darrell Walker, Justin Sorensen, and Elmondo Sewell, all named CFL West Division All-Stars. Bowman, 120 receptions, 1,759 yards, nine touchdowns, and of course did not play the 18th game of the season. So he uh, needed, what, 41 yards to average 100 yards a game. Darrell Walker, 109 receptions, 1,589 yards, 10 touchdowns. And uh, he didn't play in Week 18 either. Pretty incredible seasons by those two young men. Justin Sorensen, you know, when they had problems on the offensive line, certainly back in that loss to Hamilton in July where they allowed the big comeback, he didn't play, and he's the team nominee for most outstanding offensive linemen. Almondo Sewell, another good season for him. 38 tackles, best in the CFL at the defensive tackle position. He had a team-leading 11 quarterback sacks, also tied him for the uh, league lead for the uh, interior defensive line. So good stuff there for uh, the green and gold. Going to be fun to see them play Hamilton coming up on the weekend. All right. Ten minutes. Wait, ten minutes. What's that, Matthew? He's just dropping his rental car off. We've got to give him about ten minutes. <laughs> We're going to get Davis Sanchez in ten minutes once he drops off his rental car. All right. Good to know. Well, we'll just uh, flop things around a little bit here. Jason Moss, head coach of the uh, Green and Gold. On the uh, playoffs, challenging your normal routine. That's the plan from what I understand. So it just, uh, I don't want to look that far ahead, to be quite honest with you. But we've planned we've planned some of it, yes. But, uh, you know, that's more of the case is this first week you take care of business, come home, get a full week of practice. The next week's a little bit, little bit different after that. Is that the challenge with playoff time is you want to try and keep the routine same, but the, the routine doesn't always stay the same? Yeah, I mean, it becomes a short week, right, when you travel, particularly yeah. when you travel out east. I mean, if, you, if you're playing the next round, you're, you're a day traveling, or you're traveling that day back, and you lose that day, extra day of prep and all that stuff. So, yeah, the challenge is basically traveling and getting everything prepared, but you just want to be prepared more than anything. You want to be planned out, and uh, we will have that all done and scheduled, and, uh, you know, we will have more rest than we have in other games this year, yeah. so it's, you know, we're all in the same boat, really, at that point. How much does familiarity with the opponent help in the in the prep? Yeah, I mean, that's always the biggest thing. I think anytime you're playing on a short week and you haven't played that opponent, that's always the worst-case scenario. But, um, you know, we, we've played Hamilton, so, you know, we understand that scenario. We've played Ottawa, so, you know, on a short week for us, and they've had their bye, I mean, it's still, we still have enough days to prep and enough days to prepare, and uh, we'll be ready to roll. So tomorrow's a closed practice, Jason. So what are you going to be working on? Well, you just just the nuts and more of the, the meat and potatoes of what we're going to do. And, you know, we have some different things we'd like to try. And, you know, we don't really need anybody able to see that. And that's one of the benefits of uh, playoff football, I guess, for us is that we're able to do that. And, uh, you know, I feel like that's an advantage for us to do it. All right. So closed practice for the Eskimos tomorrow. So they can work on all those crazy trick plays. The Eskimos are going east. Here's the thing. They finished with the fourth best record in the CFL, also fourth in their division. So they have to cross over to the east and play on the road. I'm not going to go on my usual rant about that the NFL or that the CFL should change its uh, format so there are no divisions. I've, I've beat that to death. This is the situation that they're in. Is it? I mean, I know they're going to be playing two teams that finished behind them in the overall standings 
but you got to go out there. You got to worry about the time change. You got to try to win on the road to get to the to the Grey Cup. I do think if they beat Hamilton, Ottawa will present some challenges. And quarterback Mike Riley was commenting on the path through the East not necessarily being easier. You know, I know as I've told you guys last week prior to the the Toronto game that there's no easy path to the Grey Cup, but I think we got a pretty damn good team. So, I like our chances and I'm sure if you asked any player on any other five teams that are in the playoffs, they'd say the same thing. You know, anybody that's in the playoffs, you got a chance. And it doesn't really matter what happened in the regular season. So we'll do what we need to do uh, to get prepared for being on the road, um, being east on the road rather than west on the road. But, um, you know, we got as good a group of guys as anyone when it comes to being focused and, and making sure that they're ready to play. So, uh, you know, we're going to have a challenge. There's no question about it. The two teams uh, that we would have to face in, in Hamilton and Ottawa are very good football teams. They're tough places to play on the road. But, uh, you know, we've, in the couple years recently here, we've been pretty good on the road. So, again, you know, I like our chances. I think we got a lot of momentum going into the playoffs. Well, the Eskimos did win five of their last six, clearly their best uh, third of the season. And they did have that stretch of 42 days away from Commonwealth Stadium. They played four road games during that stretch. They did win three of them, including one of the games in Hamilton. So it's an interesting discussion for me with the team because they started the season... I mean, the Eskimos were 2-4 and four at one point. They were 5-7 and seven at one point. If you were listening to Inside Sports over the summer and, and into the early fall, I, you probably sensed it that I was clearly skeptical about this team even making the playoffs. I mean, there was a clear point in this season to me where if you ranked the teams 1-9, through nine, I would have not had the Eskimos in my top six and going to the playoffs. But some other teams fell apart, Toronto specifically. I mean, what they were four and two at one point and finished five and eleven. So you know they drive. I mean, at one point we thought that final regular season game against the Argos might be for a playoff spot, for the Argos to stay third in the East or for the Eskimos to cross over. Uh, they had it sewed up by then. So now I, I you know, I, I I kind of always deflected earlier in the season, Matthew when people said, you know, when they had a bad game or they lost, and people said, oh, well, they won last year, they'll figure it out. And I was like, well, hold on here. If they don't even get to the playoffs, they're not even going to have a chance to figure it out. If they can't figure out how to defend in the secondary. Now, they made some changes in the secondary. Brandon Thompson has helped shore things up. There are still some clear weaknesses there. I I, I don't want to beat on one guy, but if you listen to me at all talk about the Eskimos, you know my trepidation about Marcel Young in the secondary. Watkins has clearly been up and down, though Though he's going to come back, and hopefully he responds in the playoffs. They have good linebackers, and they have a decent defensive line. I, I just worry about their secondary. But you also say, now, now, now I think you can talk about last year and the experience that they, they garnered winning eight games in a row just to secure first place and then what they did to Calgary in the West Final, and then the way they won the Grey Cup. Now maybe that comes into play. Now maybe that memory is there, and now maybe it factors in that they have got into the playoffs. And though I'm reluctant to call the East path easier, this week anyway, I'd sooner be playing a beat-up Hamilton team than going into Vancouver to play the Lions. Right? So... Some things maybe are, are are falling into their favor at, at the right time of year. I do expect them to beat Hamilton on the weekend. I'm not going to be cocky. I don't want to sound too cocky, but if you ask me to objectively look at it, they should be able to beat Hamilton on Sunday. 
It's 8.41 inside sports on 6.30. Chad, we will get to uh, Davis Sanchez when we get back. This is Mark Letestu from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chet. All right, Mark Letestu and the Oilers back to practice tomorrow, 1130 at Rogers Place. 9-4-1 on the season, coming off a 2-2-1 five-game road trip. Jake says, hey there. This is a text to 630-630. Jake says, hey there, on the Eskimos crossing over, why is everyone sugarcoating it and saying not sure the East is the easy route? Of course it is. Just because we're on the road doesn't mean anything. Having to play BC, then Calgary is way harder than Hamilton followed by Ottawa. That is a text from Jake. Well, Jake, part of it for me is I probably just feel like I wouldn't want to jinx it, <laughs> to, to, to be quite honest with you. Um, you know, point well taken. And, and, I, and I did say, you know, you'd sooner play a beat-up Hamilton team than the BC Lions this week. Uh, I just think winning back-to-back games on the road is going to be difficult regardless of the division. And I do think if the Eskimos beat Hamilton... I think Ottawa is going to present some challenges. You know, they got a really good receiving core. They have two quarterbacks they can use if one guy isn't playing well. They beat Edmonton both times they played them this year, though it has been a while. And you'd have to think they would be motiv- motivated by having lost the Grey Cup to the Eskimos last year. So now I, I know what your response is going to be. Well, Calgary's 15-2-1 and also beat the Eskimos both times they, they played them this year. So... So fair enough. I, to me, it goes back to that they should they should change the format and just have a nine team league without divisions. Uh, I, I, I guess I guess Jake, I, I just I, I guess I hesitate to call any playoff matchup easy, if you know what I mean, um, because it, it's a it's a one game showdown, and you got to be careful and you got to be thorough. So. Do we call it more favorable instead of easy? Is that, is, is that maybe I'm more comfortable saying that, Jake? I'm, I'm comfortable saying a more more favorable road to the Grey Cup as opposed to an uh, easier road to the Grey Cup. Maybe I'm just more comfortable using that type of language. You can always text six thirty six thirty. You can get me on Twitter at Reed Wilkins. We will have the Eskimos playoff game for you, obviously coming up on Sunday morning. You know, Matthew, the Eskimos. In 2005, won the Grey Cup without playing a home game in the playoffs. Remember they finished. Th- remember they had that game in Calgary, last regular season game. And if they finished, they would have finished first. If they won it, they would have finished first in the West. They got obliterated by the Stampeders, wound up third, had to go back to Calgary the last week. What was I think they were down 21-9 at halftime. Jason Moss came off the bench. Played spectacular. Do you remember that one throw he made, I think, to Matthew Bertrand? He was wrapped up, and he did a 360 with his legs wrapped up by the Calgary defensive player and threw a short pass to Bertrand. They, I think they had a 13-play drive to get back in the game. Uh, Tucker caught a touchdown pass, and uh, the Eskimos wound up winning 33-26, an incredible second-half performance. And then they go into BC the next week. They're up 21-7. BC catches up. Moss comes off the bench again. Wasn't it Trevor Gaylor that caught the winning touchdown pass in that one? And the uh, Singor Mobley 
shove of G. Roy Simon as he was going for a long pass at the end of the game wasn't called, and the Eskimos hung on to win. And then the Grey Cup in 2005, one of the most thrilling games ever. We've had Mookie Mitchell on the show. We talked about Ricky Ray last week. The Eskimos driving late, third and four. They get a 34-yard completion to Mookie. They go in, get a touchdown, two-point convert to go up by three. Montreal drives back the other way. There's a tip pass, and I think it was KU Craver, defensive back, had a shot at the interception, dropped it. Montreal ties the game uh, on a late field goal, goes to overtime, and and the Eskimos win in one of the most... I I think I, I still am recovering from that game, the tension of the 2005 Great Cup. That was a good one. It was a great game, but I remember, I remember just sitting there and thinking, oh, my goodness. Is, now, is that the Great Cup, too, where Danny Machocha thought it was third down? That was third yes, down? Yes, where he celebrated prematurely. Yeah, but, like, uh, it's only second down. Do you Danny, remember you know, the name of down. the Eskimo kick returner who ran a kickoff back for a touchdown in that game? Yeah, I wish I remembered that. Tony right. Tompkins. Tony Tompkins. Tony Tompkins. Ran a, I believe it was in the third quarter. It was, I think it was only 10-1 Eskimos after, at the first half. Holy smokes. And then it was, uh, was tw- I think it was 25-25. No, it was 28-28. Was it 28-28 going? I think it was 28-28 going overtime. Anyway, that was fun. Inside Sports on 630 Chat, it is 8 Fifty-one. You can text 630-630. You can tweet me at Reed Wilkins. The email, if you uh, still use email, inside sports at 630ched.com. Tomorrow on the show, I mean, this is interesting. This is the third playoff meeting between the Tiger Cats and the Eskimos. They played in the 1980 Grey Cup. The Eskimos won their third of what would turn out to be five in a row. In 1986, the Eskimos went into the Grey Cup heavily favored and Hamilton actually blew the greed and gold out. Kicker Paul Osbaldiston from that year that year's uh, Tiger Cats team will be on Inside Sports tomorrow night and then no show on Friday because we have the hockey game. The uh, Toronto Maple Leafs today, by the way, uh, had the lights go out during their practice. Maybe they probably wish that would have happened during the game last night. They lost 7 nothing to the Los Angeles Kings. All right, do we have Davis? We do. Awesome. Davis Sanchez joining us on Inside Sports. Davis, my name is Reed Wilkins. Thanks a lot for your time. How are you doing, man? I'm doing great, Reed. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I know you're uh, swinging through Edmonton here. To tell people what you're doing now. You're doing something called The Waggle. It's, it's a podcast. What can you tell me about that? Yeah, exactly. Uh, myself and James Sabalski, we're, we're hosting the CFL's podcast. It's called The Waggle. Uh, it's on iTunes and CFL.ca, and uh, we're just actually in town like everyone else, ready for this uh, Eastern Division semifinal, as strange as that may sound, but uh, out here in Edmonton uh, reporting from uh, basketball's practice today. All right. Well, you got some good weather at this time of year, so that's a nice bonus for you to visit Edmonton. You are a former Eskimo. Uh, I was just going over some of my memories of the 2005 playoffs, but were you injured? were you injured for the Grey Cup that year, Davis? Yeah, your your, uh, your memories of the 2005 Great Cup, if any included me, it would be a hot dog and a beer. And that's, <laughs> that's, that was what I was doing during this. Yeah, you know, I tore my uh, I tore my hip flexor about, uh, I want to say, like week eight or nine of that season. I tore my hip flexor and I was out for the season. So I was a, I was a spectator in, in that that uh, had very little to do with that championship, but uh, was very grateful for guys like uh, Jason and Ed and uh, Tuck and, uh, those guys who and, and Mobley who helped helped me win uh, my first great cup. All right, and I believe 
You also played in one of the most incredible finishes in Grey Cup history. Weren't you in the 13th man game in 2009 as an Alouette? I wasn't. That game, that game I was not eating hot dogs, but I was uh, praying to the, uh, the powers above to somehow pull that one out. Uh, what a crazy game. And I, I always say that the best team won that game, the best team that day definitely didn't win that game. Well, because Montreal was behind, I think, by 16 points with about eight and a half minutes left. Uh, I mean, when you saw the kick missed and then the call for too many men, I mean, what was that whole sequence like? Yeah, I just uh, you know, went through the whole gamut of emotions, uh, I guess. And it, it happened. It all happened so fast. I, I don't uh, – people always ask, you know, how did I feel? I have no idea. I just uh, – I knew as soon as I saw the ball kicked, I saw the flag and then waited in anticipation for what the call was and then kind of just stayed in my kneeled position at the end of the sideline holding hands with my teammates uh, – uh, hoping that Damon uh, nailed the next one, and indeed he did. And uh, I, I think I had lost three Grey Cups previously to that. So uh, although I wasn't a member of the Eskimos in 2005, I wasn't really a part of that team. I didn't feel too much a part of that team. So it was I had been with Montreal for, I think, eight seasons at that time, and it was pretty special to uh, finally get my first Grey Cup that I, I played in that I participated in. All right. Well, the road to the Grey Cup, well, I shouldn't say starts because you got to play a long season just to get into the playoffs. But the playoffs start on uh, on Sunday. Uh, look, I, I, when I look at how beat up Hamilton is, I, I got to favor the Eskimos on, on Sunday. How do you look at that Eskimos-Tiger-Cats matchup, Davis? Yeah, it's amazing how just how healthy the Eskimos are at this time of the season. Uh, and even, I mean, up until the last game, uh, the Eskimos were playing still for, you know, for a spot in the playoffs and where they were going to end up and, and uh, so it's amazing that they're able to be healthy at this time of year. And obviously Hamilton smashed and beat up. The one thing that I always say, I think Edmonton, I agree with you, Edmonton has the edge in this matchup for sure, uh, health-wise. I mean, obviously, you know, the way this offense is clicking with, with, with the two-headed monster and, and Mike Riley throwing the ball, I mean, uh, the, best, the best trio in the league right now. You can't count, count out the Hamilton Tiger Cats. Uh, with Zach Kolaris, he's, you know, arguably was the MOP last year when he got hurt. Uh, you got C.J. Gable, Tolliver's playing at a high level, and they're playing at home. I mean, as much as you know, they've been they haven't had success at, at Tim Hortons Field this year. They're still playing at home in a, in a one one game winner take all game at home with a quarterback who who has a lot of potential and can make big plays. So I think it's going to be a close game. I would I think the Eskimos will pull it out, but I think it's going to be a closer game than a lot of people think. All right, Davis, we're, we're we're short for time. I wanted to ask you about pass interference and video review and all the flags, but we'll we should have you on again during the playoffs because I, I as yeah. a former DB, sorry, I would love to was... get your opinion on that. Yeah, guys, sorry I came on so late there running around, but I would like to yeah definitely uh, uh, get on with you guys again sometime. Right on. Thanks so much for your time, and hope you had a great stay in Edmonton. Enjoy the the trek here across the across the country. I appreciate it, and good luck. Hopefully, see you guys again if you guys keep on rolling. Right on, that is Davis Sanchez, former Eskimo, former CFL defensive back. Now doing stuff on a podcast with James Tobolsky. It is called The Waggle, and as you heard him say, you can check it out on iTunes. Thanks to Davis and our other guests tonight, Lori Eisler, Kevin Carius, John Shannon, and Kelly Rudy. you miss anything, go to the Inside Sports page on 630Ched.com, and you can get the Inside Sports podcast through iTunes as well. Paul Osbaldiston among our guests tomorrow, and we'll talk to some Oilers as they get back to practice as well. Dave Campbell is the producer of the show. Matthew Panaschik is the studio producer. Great work tonight, Matthew. One more quick.
quick look at the NHL scoreboard. Blue Jackets beat the Ducks 3-2 in overtime. Senators over the Sabres 2-1 in a shootout. Blackhawks beat the Blues 2-1 in overtime. My name is Reed Wilkins. Thank you so much for listening. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad.